Hello and welcome to Cheer, a holiday podcast series. My name is Bridget Coyne, Production Director for Evergreen Podcasts. Today, I'll be sharing some excerpts from Tolkien's letters from Father Christmas, which he wrote to his children over a 24-year time period. I chose these letters because they capture the joy of my own Christmas celebrations as a child. Over the years, my siblings and I received notes from Santa, discovered snow melting next to the chimney on Christmas morning, laughed at the cookies which had disappeared from Santa's plate, and spotted half-eaten reindeer carrots on the roof. The mystery and magic of Santa brought so much happiness to us. The Tolkien family celebrated Christmas with a similar joy. So without further ado, we present Tolkien's letters from Father Christmas. Enjoy. J.R.R. Tolkien, author of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings trilogy, has long been lauded for his imagination. His own children were especially blessed by this gift each Christmas when their father would write them letters signed by Father Christmas. With charming sketches and hilarious tales of Christmas preparations gone wrong, these letters include a glimpse at an entire cast of mythical creatures living at the North Pole. The tradition began in 1920 with a letter to young John, Tolkien's first son, who was three years old at the time. For the next 23 years, John and his three siblings, Michael, Christopher, and Priscilla, received a new letter. With goblin alphabets, colorful drawings of Father Christmas's home, fancy postage markings, and a few scattered attempts at poetry, these notes are a beautiful example of a father's love for his children. The first letter that was written was addressed to John. Christmas House, North Pole, 22nd December, 1920. Dear John, I heard you ask Daddy what I was like and where I lived. I have drawn me and my house for you. Take care of the picture. I am just off now for Oxford with my bundle of toys. Some for you. Hope I shall arrive in time. The snow is very thick at the North Pole tonight. Your loving Father Christmas. In the beginning, things were simple, with a few friends and helpers making appearances in Father Christmas's stories. He frequently references his old age, 1924 years, and asks John to excuse his shaky handwriting. Tolkien took painstaking efforts to make whimsical green and red shaky letters to add to the magic of it all. The next letter of note came a few years later, when John's brother Michael was also old enough to enjoy the correspondence. Cliff House, top of the world, near the North Pole, Christmas, 1925. My dear boys, I am dreadfully busy this year. It makes my hand more shaky than ever when I think of it, and not very rich. In fact, awful things have been happening and some of the presents have got spoilt. And I haven't got the North Polar Bear to help me. And I've had to move house just before Christmas, so you can imagine what a state everything is in. And you'll see why I have a new address, and why I can only write one letter between you both. It all happened like this. One very windy day last November, my hood blew off and went and stuck on the top of the North Pole. I told him not to, but the North Polar Bear climbed up to the thin top to get it down, and he did. The pole broke in the middle and fell on the roof of my house, and the North Polar Bear fell through the hole it made into the dining room with my hood over his nose. And all the snow fell off the roof into the house and melted and put out all the fires and ran down into the cellars where I was collecting this year's presents. And the North Polar Bear's leg got broken. He is well now, but I was so cross with him that he says he won't try to help me again. I expect his temper is hurt, 
and will be mended by next Christmas. I send you a picture of the accident and of my new house on the cliffs above the North Pole with beautiful cellars in the cliffs. If John can't read my shaky writing, 1,925 years old, he must get his father to. When is Michael going to learn to read and write his own letters to me? Lots of love to you both and Christopher, whose name is rather like mine. That's all. Goodbye. Father Christmas. P.S. Father Christmas was in a great hurry. Told me to put in one of his magic wishing crackers. As you wish, pull and see if it doesn't come true. Excuse thick writing. I have a fat paw. I help Father Christmas with his packing. I live with him. I am the Great Polar Bear. This is our first introduction to the Great Polar Bear, Santa's heartwarming second-in-command who makes many appearances over the years. His notes, usually comical, appear in chunky all-caps lettering on the margins of Father Christmas's letters. Another fun letter came a year after this introduction. Cliff House, top of the world, near the North Pole. Monday, December 20th, 1926. My dear boys, I am more shaky than usual this year. The North Polar Bear's fault. It was the biggest bang in the world and the most monstrous firework there has ever been. It turned the North Pole black and shook all the stars out of place, broke the moon into four. He ate quite a lot of my Christmas chocolates before he said he felt better and climbed back to mend the moon and get the stars tidy. Then I found out that the reindeer had broken loose. They were running all over the country, breaking reins and ropes and tossing presents up into the air. They were all packed up to start, you see. Yes, it only happened this morning. It was a sleigh load of chocolate things, which I always send to England early. I hope yours are not badly damaged. But isn't the North Polar Bear silly? And he isn't a bit sorry. Of course he did it, you remember. I had to move last year because of him. The tap for turning on the Rory Borealis fireworks is still in the cellar of my old house. The North Polar Bear knew he must never, never touch it. I only lit it off on special days, like Christmas. He says he thought it was cut off since we moved. Anyway, he was nosing around the ruins this morning soon after breakfast. He hides things to eat there. And turned on all the northern lights for two years in one go. You've never heard or seen anything like it. I have tried to draw a picture of it, but I am too shaky to do it properly. And you can't paint fizzing lights, can you? I think the polar bear has spoilt the picture rather. Of course he can't draw with those great fat paws. Rude! I can and write without shaking. By going and putting a bit of his own about me chasing the reindeer and him laughing. He did laugh too. So did I when I saw him trying to draw reindeer and inking his white paws. Father Christmas had to hurry away and leave me to finish. He is old and he gets worried when funny things happen. You would have laughed too. I think it is good of me laughing. It was a lovely firework. The reindeer will run quick to England this year. They are frightened. I must go and help pack. I don't know what Father Christmas would do without me. There were many more adventures from the North Polar Bear and Father Christmas. And over the coming years, 
there would be visits from the man on the moon who always remembered that crazy light display. In one tale, he stayed away from the moon for a whole night, which of course he is not supposed to do, because the North Polar Bear gave him too much brandy and pushed him under the couch when he fell asleep. Thankfully, the world survived a night without the moon. The polar bear had a rather different opinion of the event than Father Christmas did. I have never been expected to look after the man in the moon before. I was very nice to him, and he was very comfy under the sofa. Other characters popped up in these letters, including the snowman who was the gardener, although apparently not much grows at the North Pole. There were also lots of snowboys and snowgirls, which are like a child version of a snowman, but they are much more prone to mischief. Some years, Tolkien, or rather, Father Christmas, was a little delayed in sending his letters. However, he always had a clever excuse for the children, and as a father, he never let down their hopes. Boxing Day, 1928. I am, <clears throat> I am frightfully sorry. I gave this to the polar bear to post and he forgot all about it. We found it on the hall table today. But you must forgive him. He has worked very hard for me and is dreadfully tired. We have had a busy Christmas. Very windy here. It blew several sleighs over before they could start. Love again, Father Christmas. The next year, they received a letter from the North Polar Bear in November, and he had injured his paw. Before signing off with pen in his jaw, he left a postscript for the children. P.S. My real name is Karu, but I don't tell most people. That Christmas, the children received another letter, and all four kids were included for the first time. They had been anxiously waiting for an update on Karu since he told them about his injury. Top of the World, North Pole, Christmas 1929. Dear boys and girls, it is a light Christmas again, I am glad to say. The northern lights have been specially good. There is a lot to tell you. You have heard that the great polar bear chopped his paw when he was cutting Christmas trees. His right one. I mean, not his left. Of course, it was wrong to cut it. For he spent a lot of the summer learning to write better, so as to help me with my winter letters. We had a bonfire this year, to please the polar bear, to celebrate the coming in of winter. The snow elves lit off all the rockets together, which surprised us both. I have tried to draw you a picture of it, but really there were hundreds of rockets. You can't see the elves at all against the snow background. The bonfire made a hole in the ice and woke up the great seal, which happened to be underneath. The polar bear lit off 20,000 silver sparklers afterwards. He used up all of my stock, so that is why I had none to send you. Then he went for a holiday to North Norway and stayed with a woodcutter called Olaf and came back with his paw all bandaged just at the beginning of our busy times. The children loved Karoo, the North Polar Bear, and even adopted pet names for their own stuffed polar bears and would write about Bingo and Silly Billy and the others in their letters to the North Pole. Karoo's misadventures never ceased to amaze. The next year, Polar Bear got the whooping cough and was quite ill until the Christmas season. He sneezed so hard he blew out five candles. Father Christmas wrote to reassure the children. Top of the world, North Pole, 1930. Not finished until Christmas Eve, 24th December. Still, Polar Bear is all right now. I know because he has been at his tricks again, quarreling with the snowman, my gardener, and pushing him through the roof of the snowhouse. 
and packing lumps of ice instead of presents in naughty children's parcels. That might be a good idea, only he never told me, and some of them, with ice, were put in warm storerooms and melted all over good children's presents. In 1931, more letters came, telling of polar bears' nephews Paksu and Volkatuka. They are polar cubs who are even more troublesome than their uncle, but their mischief was nothing compared to the troubles described in the letter of 1932. Cliff House, near the North Pole, December 23, 1932. My dear children, there is a lot to tell you. First of all, Merry Christmas. But there have been lots of adventure you will want to hear about. It all began with the funny noises underground, which started in the summer and got worse and worse. I was afraid an earthquake might happen. The North Polar Bear says he suspected what was wrong from the beginning. I only wish he had said something to me. In any way, it can't be quite true, as he was fast asleep when it began, and he did not wake up until about Michael's birthday. The letter continues, and Father Christmas explains that one day in late November, Polar Bear went for a walk and never came back. They were very worried until December 9th, when Mr. Cave Bear came to tell them that North Polar Bear had gone missing in the caves after trying to get some cover from a blizzard. Once in the cave, some strange things happened. Almost at once he smelt goblin and became interested and he started to explore. Not very wise, for of course goblins can't hurt him, but their caves are very dangerous. Naturally, he soon got quite lost and the goblins shut off all of their lights and made queer noises and false echoes. Goblins are to us very much rats are to you, only worse because they are very clever and only better because they are, in these parts, very few. We thought there were none left. Long ago, we had great trouble with them. That was about 1453, I believe, but we got the help of the gnomes, who are their greatest enemies, and cleared them out. This was one of the longest letters to the Tolkien children. And Mr. Cave Bear went on to explain that the goblins tricked the North Polar Bear because they were still mad at him. Once, he had boxed two of them down for bad behavior. So, they brought him deep into the dark caves where he would get lost. That's when the Cave Bear went to Father Christmas, and they ended up using torches to find him. The caves are wonderful. I knew they were there, but not how many or how big they were. Of course, the goblins went off into the deepest holes and corners, and we soon found Polar Bear. He was getting quite long and thin with hunger, as he had been in the caves about a fortnight. I should soon have been able to squeeze through a goblin crack. The letter describes the gorgeous wall paintings on the cave walls and how Polar Bear and Father Christmas returned to the workshop, thinking everything had resolved. But the goblins are not ones to let a grudge go. Father Christmas and Polar Bear noticed a few things misplaced within the stores of Christmas gifts. When they checked again on Saturday, they found nearly everything had disappeared out of the main present cellar. Imagine my state of mind. Nothing hardly to send to anybody. And too little time to get or make enough new stuff. North Polar Bear said, I smell goblin strong. Of course it was obvious. They love mechanical toys though they quickly smash them and want more and more and more. And practically all the Hornby things had gone. Eventually we found a large hole, but not big enough for us, leading to a tunnel behind some packing cases 
in the West Cellar. As you will expect, we rushed off to find Cave Bear, and we went back to the caves. We soon understood the queer noises. It was plain the goblins had burrowed a tunnel from the caves to my old home, which was not so far from the end of their hills, and had stolen a good many things. We found some things more than a hundred years old, even a few parcels still addressed to your great-grandpeople. But they had been very clever and not too greedy, and I had not found out. Things escalated with the goblins, and Father Christmas had to call in the red gnomes to help fight them off. When all was said and done, he figured they had successfully scared away the goblins for the next hundred years. Cliff House, near the North Pole, December 21st, 1933. The year after the break-in, Father Christmas realized things had not gone so successfully. He figured the goblins must have spent their whole summer gathering goblin friends from the mountains around the world. Polar Bear now says he was smelling strange things throughout the summer, but as usual, he stayed silent at the time. One night in mid-December, Father Christmas woke up and saw a strange face in his window. He knew immediately that meant there were bat goblins around, which hadn't been seen at the North Pole in centuries. He heard a ruckus in the cellars and went sprinting down to see the North Polar Bear fighting off dozens of goblins who were trying to run off with presents. Only there was more like a thousand goblins than fifteen. Polar Bear was squeezing, squashing, trampling, boxing, and kicking goblins sky high and roaring like a zoo. And the goblins were yelling like engine whistles. He was splendid. Say no more. I enjoyed it immensely. Well, it is a long story. The trouble lasted for over a fortnight, and it began to look as if we should never be able to get my sleigh out this year. The goblins had set part of the stores on fire and captured several gnomes who sleep down there on guard before Polar Bear and some gnomes came in and killed hundred goblins before I even arrived. The reindeer were kidnapped, the elves were attacked, and Father Christmas had to blow his golden trumpet to summon all of his friends and allies from around the globe. Eventually, the reindeer were rescued and Father Christmas was quite relieved in the end. It really will be centuries before we get another goblin trouble. Thanks to Polar Bear and the gnomes, there can't be very many left at all. And Father Christmas, I wish I could draw or had time to try. You have no idea what the old man can do. Lightning and fireworks and thunder of guns. The stories in these letters are too many to recount now. But the notes over the coming years included updates about and by many different North Pole creatures. In 1934, Father Christmas gave an update on polar bears' naughty nephews. Cliff House, North Pole, Christmas Eve, 1934. Paksu and have been here a long while. They have grown a good deal, but still get up to frightful mischief in between times of trying to help. This year they stole my paints and painted scrawls on the white walls of the cellars, ate all the mincemeat out of the pies made ready for Christmas, and only yesterday went and unpacked half the parcels to find railway things to play with. A few years later, he introduced Ilberth, an elf who served as secretary to Father Christmas. Cliff House, North Pole, Wednesday, December 23rd, 1936. We all worked hard, and you will be surprised to hear that every single parcel was packed and numbered by Saturday, December 19th. Then, Polar Bear said, I am tired out. 
I am going to have a hot bath and go to bed early. Father Christmas was taking a last look round the English delivery room about 10 o'clock when water poured through the ceiling and swamped everything. It was soon six inches deep on the floor. Polar Bear had simply got into the bath with both taps running and gone fast asleep with one hind paw on the overflow. He had been asleep two hours when we woke him. Father Christmas was really angry, but Polar Bear only said, I did have a jolly dream. I dreamt I was diving off a melting iceberg and chasing seals. One of the things that makes these stories and characters so magnificent is the colorful hand-drawn artwork included with each letter. When the children were much older, he even included a rhyme voiced by Father Christmas, Polar Bear, and Ilberth the Elf. Another interesting thing about the letters is the way pieces of history subtly come into play. There were often notes in the early years about how fortunate the children were that their parents could provide for them and they would not go hungry. How some children had nothing for Christmas. This was shortly after World War I. In the last few letters, there are mentions of how Father Christmas couldn't provide certain books to Priscilla because they had all been burned. It's also interesting to note how the greetings change over time. In these final letters, Father Christmas only directly addresses Tolkien's youngest child. Cliff House, near North Pole. Christmas Eve, 1940. My dearest Priscilla, just a short letter to wish you a very happy Christmas. Please give my love to Christopher. We are having a rather difficult time this year. This horrible war is reducing all our stocks. And in so many countries, children are living far away from their homes. Polar Bear has had a very busy time trying to get our address list corrected. I am glad you are still at home. I wonder what you will think of my picture. Penguins don't live at the North Pole, you will say. I know they don't. We have got some all the same. What you would call evacuees, I believe. Not a very nice word. Except that they did not come to escape the war, but to find it. They had heard such stories of the happenings up in the North, including a quite untrue story that the polar bear and all the polar cubs had been blown up and that I had been captured by goblins, that they swam all the way here to see if they could help me. Nearly 50 arrived. The final letter from Father Christmas came in 1943. The letter, still addressed only to Priscilla, feels like a goodbye, but it probably brought much joy to the then-grown Tolkien family in the midst of a horrific war. Here it is in its entirety. Cliff House, North Pole, Christmas, 1943. My dear Priscilla, a very... Happy Christmas. I suppose you will be hanging up your stocking just once more. I hope so, for I still have a few things for you. After this, I shall have to say goodbye, more or less. I mean, I shall not forget you. We always keep the old numbers of our old friends and their letters, and later on we hope we can come back when they are grown up and have houses of their own and children. My messengers tell me that people call it grim this year. I think they mean miserable, and so it is, in very many places where I was specially fond of going. But I am very glad to hear that you are still not really miserable. Don't be. I am still very much alive, and shall come back again soon, as merry as ever. There's been no damage in my country, and though my stocks are running rather low, 
I hope soon to put that right. Polar bear? Too tired to ride himself, so he says. I am, really. Sends a special message to you, love and a hug. He says, do ask if she still has a bear called Silly Billy or something like that. Or is he worn out? Give my love to the others, John and Michael and Christopher. And of course, to all your pets that you used to tell me about. Polar Bear and the Cubs are very well. They've really been good this year and have hardly had time to get into any mischief. I hope you will find most of the things that you wanted. And I am very sorry that I have no cat tongs left but I've sent nearly all the books you asked for. I hope your stocking will seem full. Very much love from your old friend, Father Christmas. The love, magic, and joy of these letters sustained the Tolkien family through desperately sad times during the Second World War. I hope these stories now bring a similar love and joy to you and yours during this unconventional Christmas season. From Father Christmas, the North Polar Bear, Ilbereth, Myself and the entire Evergreen team, we wish you a joyful and magical Christmas season. Thank you for listening to Cheer. We'd like to acknowledge the Evergreen team for making this podcast possible. You can listen to Cheer and more of our podcasts by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Or visit evergreenpodcasts.com. From all of us at Evergreen, we wish you a joyful and magical Holiday season. Hi, this is Kim Thompson, host of Storytime Anytime, a podcast packed with songs, stories, and a whole lot of learning fun. Each episode will explore a new topic like dinosaurs, sharks, space travel, chemistry, 
horses, reptiles, and so much more. New episodes are out every other week, so check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. It's really story time and music at its best, exclusively for kids. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.